views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters. Good day and welcome to Ability Radio. This is a show brought to you by the Disability Rights Center of the Virgin Islands. We are located in both districts, St. Croix and St. Thomas. On St. Croix, we are in Frederickstead, west of Sunshine Mall, Kmart. That house that you see there that's with the mango trees in the yard, that's the one. Our number there is 772-1200-340, that is. And on St. Thomas, we're in Havenside. Um, I think we're on top of the Delhi deck. We're in Suite 313, and our number there is 776-4303. I'm happy to be back today with um, you, bringing you information regarding parents and children with disabilities. Today we have for you on our show, Ms. Shari Richards-Mead. Welcome, Ms. Mead. Thank you, good morning. Good morning, listening audience. Happy to have you. Um, thank you so much. Just a little- it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Just a little background on Ms. Not much, but she's a parent with a young man with um, autism. So we're yes. going to be discussing a little bit about what she does with that son and the challenges she's had and uh, hopefully what, what we hope we can, she can impart to the parents out there is that she's doing it and you can do it as well. Um, Indeed. First, I would like to so start with, um, and I did this with uh, Mr. Gerard the last time, um, the diagnosis and the evaluation, the, f- the first thing. When did you observe that um, your child had a disability or did somebody mention it to you? How, how did that come about? What was the process there? Well, actually, I've, I noticed that my son, he's my second son. Okay. I have an older son. And okay. so development, developmentally, he wasn't speaking where he was supposed to at the age that he was supposed to speak Mm -hmm. and so his father would tell me oh you know he's probably just a late speaker don't worry about it but then when he would go to daycare the the owner of the daycare would tell me that she noticed very odd behavior and after she had brought it to my attention i started to pay closer attention to him and I started to notice that he was also displaying odd behavior when he was home with us. Uh, he would mumble, scream, bang his head on the ground. Uh, it just very, very different from what a, a normal child that's about 20 months should display, being that I had already had uh, an older child. And so I spoke to the owner of the daycare because she said that she had seen other children like that and she recommended that I get him tested. Now, she told me to wait until after he made two just to see if that by the age of two, if he would have said something and he had made two and he didn't say anything. It was the same screaming, um, moaning, that kind of communication and so i in the month of march because he he's actually born in february in the month of march I, I made an appointment to try to get him tested 
I did that. I actually went to MCH first because they were telling me that MCH would have been the better place to go to try to get him into special education at an early age. Right. I, I forgot what it was called at that time, but mm-hmm. I think it was like early special education, IEP, so, right. something along that line. Mm-hmm. And when I went to MCH, it, it was kind of a long and daunting process. And so I just said, well, you know, I may not be able to get the assistance that I need for him in a timely fashion. So I looked for an alternative and I, I found one and I did it privately, which I did it through Island Therapy Solutions. Okay. So within a few months, I was able to get him tested diagnosed and actually get the process started in getting him uh, therapy, which his first therapy was speech therapy. After he started speech therapy, I, I mean, he was in speech therapy for about three months and I started to notice a big difference. Not like gigantic words, right. but mm-hmm. I... I could see that he would try to sound things out. He would, he would go to like, like the da da, and you know the M was a little more. The M was difficult for him, <laughs> but other other syllables you could see he would try to pronounce. And the longer he was in speech therapy, the better it got. Good. He was in speech therapy first. Started out in speech therapy three times a week. It was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I took him religiously every week. Um, I paid for speech therapy out of my pocket. I um, I did it through Kathy Valentine. She mm-hmm. did an excellent job. It was down at MCH. And so a lot of the work that my son needed, a lot of the therapy that he needed, I did it on my own. And so it, it just kind of snowballed from there. He started with speech therapy and then we went into ABA therapy with Island Therapy Solutions. By the time my son made three, he was able to go to school, regular school. Uh, he went to Moravian. And while he was enrolled in Moravian, I set up a, I set up a therapist to go to school with him, an ABA therapist. And so that person went to school with him every day for about, I want to say about five or six hours, almost all day. Mm-hmm. And that person worked on re, they, so with Island Therapy Solution, they gave him goals. And based off of the things that I wanted to see him accomplish, they would take goals that he had to accomplish in, in terms of development, right. as well as goals that I wanted to see him accomplish. And so they would create a plan. And while he's in school, the therapist would work towards accomplishing those goals. Every month he had a goal, a specific goal, and it would be like baby steps to the goal. So if, if let's say the whole grand scheme of things was for him to work independently in school mm-hmm. on his work, the, the first little goal would be to accomplish simple tasks such as sitting or keeping still because he also has adhd so getting up out of his seat and walking around without asking permission those are things that he 
you know, were challenging to him. So he had little miniature goals each week. And as he accomplished those miniature goals, it was like to work him up to a larger goal of the, you know, the final outcome. Okay. And so he had an ABA therapist that went to school with him for two years. And I saw a drastic improvement in my Mm -hmm. son, a drastic improvement. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, though, the speech was still difficult. Even when my son made about, I want to say, five, he was still grappling for certain words in terms of pronunciation. But he could he could say words that normal children that were five couldn't say so it, it was a it was a little daunting right because right. it's like you're, you're struggling to speak but then he knows he understands the context in which to use the word and it wasn't like i was using the word those words to him but i would read to him and i would talk to him in words that i would figure would be on his level right but he also got exposure from the things that we watched we always watched the news Mm-hmm. We always, I, I, I love science, so I always watch science shows right. and, you know, things on the, things on the weather and meteorology. And so, and at that, that time, I was also taking some courses at the university, so I would have to watch certain things for my classes. And he would sit and he would watch them with me. Right. Now, let's move forward to getting him. So he was in Moravian school for a, a couple of years, a few years. And then he transitioned. I transitioned him to a public school, uh, Joseph Sibley Elementary School. And there were certain things that I knew I needed to put in place because by that time now, Kiran was still going to speech therapy three times a week. And he was also doing um, the OGT, learning to put on his clothes, learning different things, how to feed himself. Mm -hmm. And so he was really excelling. And I said, okay, he, he would tell me that school is boring (laughs) and he wanted more of a challenge. challenge. So, so I said, okay, if Moravian is not doing it, I, my older son went to Sibley and I knew at Sibley, my older son was, he had music classes and computer classes Mm -hmm. and went to the library. So I said, okay, I will make this transition, but I'm going to have to prepare him to make this transition. So I knew my son would not qualify for an IEP because at that time I was already working in the system and I have heard the complaints and the cries (laughs) of other parents not to mention what's really important too when when you have a child that's different from everybody else it's always great to get support and at that time I had joined a support group I think it was VI parents of autistic children right is this this the one that um Chavelle is involved with Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Chavelle Simeon. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. She's, she's, we a, member of, she's a member of our board. So that's fantastic to know. Yes. And I really, really enjoyed being in the group because I, uh, many times I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is hard. It I, is. I really wasn't getting, I really wasn't getting the support from my family. Mm-hmm. My, his father was like, oh, nothing wrong with him, just rude. Or he's just this. And I'm like, no, there's something really wrong with him. Yeah. Oh, but I have a, a cousin who didn't talk till they were like five. I'm like, that that's that's wrong. Right. And any he, parent that sits down 
sorry. Yeah, and, and I I know that we're talking a lot about this, but this is really, really important because the reason why this is so important is that if you don't get the services to that child very early, that could prove disastrous for that child, for the child's lifetime. So it's very yes. important what you're saying and to encourage. And, and, and that's the reason why, we, uh, why I always try to host these shows with parents to encourage the parents out there if you see anything you're not a doctor you're not a therapist you're not anything you're just a mother or father and you love your child go out there do as miss richards mead has done and find out what's going on what really is going on with your child to make sure that you get that early intervention to get all the services that are required so that you could give him a step up in life. Because if you don't do that, that child is going to be hung on to you for the rest of the child's life or rest of your life. Um, exactly. Because you, you're not, you're not going to be able to prepare the child for the future. Exactly. You know? I, I, exactly. I, I wanted to ask you something with regards to MCH because you mentioned MC, that you had gone to MCH and the process really was odious. It was long. And you went out and you did it yourself and then you came back. What was what was the process like coming back? Was it back to where they should have been or this is further along? So I think it it just was like paperwork and testing and then being qualified. Mm -hmm. And so it's it and qualified I mean you know, income is always a big part of everything that we, when you look at government programs, okay, let's not say government programs, but when you look at special education and, and when you look at Head Start and all of those different agencies that you can go to to get assistance, income is always like, a, <laughs> it's always a validation yeah. that, hey, you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. And so I just, I didn't qualify. So it's like, okay. So even though people will say, okay, yeah, you don't qualify, but you can still get it because you have a child that needs, that needs the service. Mm -hmm. What happens is things get drawn out and prolonged and it's like you're fighting and you're, you're, you have to keep calling. And it's almost like you feel like you're begging. You're begging to get help for your child. And that's what started to really get to me. It was like, I'm trying to help a child so that this child doesn't be a burden on society. Right, but exactly. this child doesn't go out and do something right. that costs mm -hmm. society millions of dollars. Like, I'm trying to do this. And why would you give me the runaround? You know, when I heard parents talk about, oh, well, I finally got an IEP for my child, but um, there aren't any... There aren't Aren't any um, speech therapists there aren't or any occupational? Yep, yep. I know about that. Well, we, we call them resource teachers. Yeah, resource. Yeah, we call them. Yeah, there aren't any resource resource teachers. There aren't any speech therapists. Uh, there aren't. There isn't anybody. You know, as time went by, I noticed schools would have one speech therapist that sh was shared amongst three schools, wow. I, I, and that's a lot for one person. Yeah, I, so I just <laughs> I had the same issue with my son, not to interrupt you, but <laughs> and that was no, twenty four I mean, years ago. <laughs> and it still hasn't changed. And I can see why parents get frustrated. I can see why 
parents just be like, you know, you know what, forget it. I don't want to be bothered. It's a long process. And you know, my peeve is even if you are successful in getting an IEP, it's, it's just, it, it's like the federal government feels like, okay, we're just going to provide the basic adequate education. There's, to me, it's like there's no emphasis on anything. Like, okay, we've seen growth in this child when this child was in second grade. So let's push and see what this child could accomplish in third grade. You know, those are the things that I got when I did it privately. Right. They right. monitored the growth of my child. They monitored his milestones. And so when it came to preparing goals for the next year, it was like, yes, he accomplished this. So let's take it a step further. But that's but what the IEP is supposed to do, you know. <laughs> it Richard. is. It it's is. It's supposed to do but that. A and lot of times. If you're the oh, parent out there and you're not getting those services, you certainly can come to us and, and, and we can see how we exactly. can provide some redress for that, you know. Um, and that's where we parents need to stick together and we all need to know about advocacy because there are a lot of parents out there who don't know Mm -hmm. And they really don't understand the system. They don't understand how things go. They go to the IEP and and don't don't think those people in the IEP meetings don't see when parents don't, don't understand. Because when I went to my first IEP meeting for my son, I it was a it, it was a lot, and I was like, okay. Did you know, have support I, for say a group like us? Because you can always ask us, and just just for the general general information out there to parents. If you if you time, need somebody to to hold your hand, so to speak, you can ask yeah. us to be part of the meeting, and, and we'll we'll go there and represent you, and represent you well. I never engaged. I yeah, I never engaged the services of the VI disabilities, uh, VI disability um, rights disability center. Right <laughs> center. I never really engaged because I, in my mind, I knew my son wasn't going to qualify. So I didn't want to waste anybody's time. And I think that's where I was thinking or what I was thinking about but when it came to. Interestingly that you mentioned that, though, that um, that you made that choice between an mm -hmm. IEP and um, what your son is on now is he's on a 504, a 504 plan. Right, plan. And can you yes. expand a little bit on how you came across that decision and, and how that has worked out for you in the process? So I knew he wasn't going to qualify for the IEP. So I said he still needed support in the classroom. And I knew that the 504 plan was like basically under the umbrella of providing children with a free education and being responsible for making sure that this child has accommodations because this child has a disability. However, the disability of this child it does not require an IEP from special education. Right. So I knew that much because I had done some research and I, I took a class. I took a special mm -hmm. education class mm -hmm. and I said, okay, if a child doesn't have what it takes to qualify for an IEP, the next best thing is a 504, 504 plan. plan right. And a 504 plan protects that child's civil rights as that child is being given an edge of a free public education so Absolutely. that was the next best route because i knew that my son was going to get into a classroom 
He was going to walk around. He was going to make noises. He was going to do weird things. And a teacher was going to get fed up. And they were going to try to penalize him by failing him or not paying attention to him, ignoring him. Right. Or just kind of kicking him to the side and being, okay, well, that child has a problem and I can't deal with that child. But you, so, but you would think that the evaluation would bring out a lot of those things though so that because they're experts doing those evaluations uh together with the parent i guess and um it you would put him on the plan that's best suited for him but you you seem to have just educated yourself you advocated for yourself and and that's what i encourage a lot of parents out there and and we provide some of that information to parents we we are basically a, a parent center for information and yes. services and advocacy, and you can come to us with those um, needs in mind. But it's interesting. Yes. I, I, I am so happy that you mentioned or uh, you segued into not wanting to do the IEP versus going for the 504, which would be more applicable for the condition or the, the, the disability that your, your, your son was exhibiting. Um, how 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 long was that process though besides going through the not going through the IEP but going through the 504 cuz i, I want to give parents an idea as to what to expect and and how they can yes. move the needle in the process the process didn't take months like the IEP process did the process actually okay. took maybe um maybe i want to say about 6 or 7 weeks I had a meeting. I what I did is I got all my evaluation forms from the doctor. I went therapy solutions, and I did. I had all his behavioral assessments and everything. And I sat down with Mrs. Tammy Sasso. She is the five. She was a five hundred four director. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if she's still the five hundred four director, but mm-hmm. I sat down with her. I made a meeting to to meet with her. She met with me we sat down she met with my son she had a conversation with him she gave him a few things to do and we she went over his evaluation and she came up with the best plan that she thought would benefit him in the classroom good and 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 that goes back to all of the advocacy that you've done all of your interaction so what we want to encourage parents to do is be proactive in looking at your child, observing what's happening, and take the necessary yes. actions to make sure that they are being stirred in the right direction for the services. Because not all, as you mentioned, not all of the services would be applicable to him or would help him advance from where he was. Yes. Um, you yes. meant you in 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 talking to you. You mentioned a lot about you do this and you do that and you and I would add, I, and, and you mentioned a little bit about the father and I know um, the family dynamic is as such that you find um, the women are more the leaders in making sure that their, their, their children get, get those services um, without going too personal into what's going on with you how has that been for you and, and how has that helped you in terms of having some support either from your spouse or from family members? Well, the family dynamic is still a bit, it's it's not as smooth 
as I would like it to be. Mm -hmm. Many people don't really understand autism. And autism is something that you have to research and look at and look up mm -hmm. and know about it because the behavior that the behaviors are, are very they're different. Every child is different. Every child does not display the same behavior. So certain things that I would be more compassionate towards, my mother may not be more compassionate. Towards. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. one, one thing that I struggled with his father and I was his father. You know, no, no father wants to believe that there's anything wrong with their son. I was in the same place. I could tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that's my son. Mm -hmm. Nothing is wrong with my son. And it took his father a really long time to really just kind of wrap his mind around the fact that his son has a disability. And so I, I, and I would always keep saying, but if you don't support me in getting him the things that he needs, I can't get him as normal as he can be. You yeah. know, his father paid for a lot of therapy and paid for a lot of things. But when it came to disciplining and my approach to disciplining, because I did a lot of research on how artistic children should be disciplined. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I get a lot of, flack from my mother you know oh you're too lenient and, <laughs> and you give these children choices and i have to give him choices because if i put something in front of him that he's he's sensitive to textures right so certain foods he's not going to eat because of how it feels in his mouth so that's a no-no mm -hmm. so i i it's a lot of experimentation and a mm -hmm. lot of trying to figure out okay well i know he likes this but I can't always have him eat the same exactly. foods. I have to introduce right. new foods, new foods to, yeah. for his, yeah, for him mm -hmm. to grow and be a healthy young man. So, and then too, he talks, he says things that there's no filter and he says things that will hurt a lot of people's feelings yeah. and he yep, says absolutely. things that it's, yeah. and, and they feel that, oh, it's just him being rude. But I'm like, no, it's, it's a part out of autism because I've read it and I'm not reading just any old website. I go to the medical journals and I right, go to right. various physicians' websites where, yeah, you and, know that it's really been backed by science. And and the thing is that you may you may be doing all of these things um, because you're so proactive uh, and you're doing a lot of self advocacy. There are parents that have more than one child, two or three children. They cannot gave a lot of that time so that's why these support organizations our organization uh, disability rights center of the virgin islands and yes. also that parent group that's so important because you can yes. share a lot of your knowledge and experience with the other parents so they don't have to always go and do the research and that's why it's so important to get together and to do a lot mm -hmm. of that advocacy on your own I want to thank yes, you, uh, Shari. I wish Always. we had more time. This, I mean, I, I had so many other questions to ask. <laughs> you might have to come back. <laughs> Probably I come back and bring, a, so. bring the group or something with you. Um, I really appreciate you taking out the time and, and um, coming and share your experiences uh, with, with that, that um, you've had or encountered raising a child with autism. Um, this is Ability Radio. We are... Disability Rights Center of Virgin Islands. We are loco uh, located in Frederickstead um, near Kmart West. Our number is 340-772-1200. And on St. Thomas, 
uh, Havenside Mall, Suite 313-340-776-4303. We also have our website, disabilityrights.org, drcvi.org. And um, call us. Let us know how we can help you. Thank you and have a great day. Views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.